hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. You're listening to Queer Money episode 206. Back in 2008, during the financial crisis, many folks lost their jobs or found themselves earning less for a variety of reasons. Fast forward to 2020 and we're experiencing much of the same. One of the positives that came out of the financial crisis in 2008 is that many folks turned on their thinking gaps and took action to start side hustles or micro-businesses, which is why we did our podcast last week talking about the pros and cons of side businesses. With that in mind, on today's Queer Money, we've invited Manny Cosme of CFO Services Group to join us to talk about the value in keeping your business and personal finances separate. Manny has a 15-year career in business finances and administration and started CFO Services Group, a firm dedicated to helping small and large businesses alike with their accounting needs to help his clients' business finances thrive. So, if you're thinking of starting a side business, have a side business, or are a full-time entrepreneur, this show will help you with tools and tips to do your personal finances and your business finances the right way. Remember, we make the Queer Money Podcast for you, so please email your money questions to questions at debtfreeguys.com or post them in the Queer Money Facebook group, and we may answer it in an upcoming episode. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. How does your bank support the LGBT community? Not at all? For Pride in June? Or 365 days a year? Capital One proudly supports the LGBT community throughout the year. Maybe it's time to support a bank that supports us. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash cafe for more info. The foundation for living fabulously, not fabulously broke is a good credit score. A good credit score can save you tens of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. A bad credit score can cost you tens of thousands of dollars and cause you to miss out on other great opportunities. Sign up for the free improve or build your credit score powered by Experian Boost and watch your credit score improve by 5 to 50 points in 15 minutes. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash boost. Now, on with the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. As I mentioned in the outset, this episode is really designed for individuals who either have uh, started a side business or looking to start a side business and take the discussion that we had last week just a little bit deeper with some of the technical things that you want to be thinking about when starting a side business. Of course, when it comes to personal finances, John and I, as hosts of Queer Money Podcast, want to provide you with the tools that you need to be able to do the best job you can with your personal finances. But then there's the business side of finances. And that's why we've invited Manny Cosme Reyes to come on the show today and talk a little bit about the idea of keeping your business and personal finances separate. We know that this is an important thing, but you know it's not always an easy thing to do. Uh, as a matter of fact, we asked individuals in the Facebook group whether or not as small business or owners or side individuals who have a side hustle, if they keep their business and personal finances separate. And one of the things that we were not necessarily surprised by, but 
roughly about a third of the individuals who have small businesses or side hustles said that they don't always keep them separate. And so we wanted to make sure that we cover this topic because if you're thinking about starting a business, it's best to do this right from the beginning. So as I mentioned, we've welcomed Manny on the show uh, and we want to have this discussion. So welcome to the show, Manny. Hey, thanks for having me. And I just gasped when you said that. So yes, keep your your money separate. (laughs) I I have to agree with you. And I will say that um, I had to check the box on that poll personally that yes, most of the time we've kept them separate because I think back at the very beginning, there were times when we use the wrong account or use the wrong uh, card or paid for one thing when we really should have paid for the other thing. As I mentioned, it sometimes isn't the easiest thing. And you can, uh, when you're starting a side hustle, you're starting a small business, you don't necessarily know how far it's going to go. So it may be that you do invest some of your personal money into it without it actually being separated and put into a a business account, right? Sure, sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we're thinking about this idea of having a small business or uh, starting a side hustle, why should someone keep their personal and business finances separate? Well, I mean, so there's there's a lot of reasons for that. So of course, first, there's the legal reason why you do need to legally keep your money separate, um, depending on what kind of corporate structure or what, what kind of business structure you have. So some business structures, like a corporation, for example, you are required to keep money separate. You can't, you cannot commingle funds. So there's, of course, the legal reason for it. There's the tax reason for it. On the tax side of the world, you know, anything you spend in your business is a tax deduction as a business expense. So there's the tax reason for it. But I'm going to go a step further. I'm a management accountant. So what I do is I manage the finances for businesses. That's my training. That's what I do. So taxes are well and good. Obviously, we want to follow the law. But let's go to the management side of it. The reason why you really want to keep your money separate is for management purposes. You want to be able to clearly understand what money is flowing in and out of your business at all times. And I don't care if you're just a, you know, independent contractor, gig worker, maybe doing one side hustle kind of a thing. That is still a business and you still need to be very clear on the money that's coming in and out of the business just so that you can make better decisions in your business. Otherwise, if you co-mingle, you have no idea what's really the business's expenses versus your expenses. Yeah. <laughs> Again, uh, I'll just say from personal experience, <laughs> it sounds all well and good, but sometimes it's really hard to do. You sometimes forget that it's, uh, oh yeah, this is a business expense. I need to be using a different account for the, all of this. <laughs> yes. I mean, and we get it. I mean, we, you know, we, we manage the finances for a lot of businesses uh, in my firm and uh, we do see sometimes people commingle. So there's a couple of, of easy ways to kind of take care of that or stop doing that. So one is, I mean, opening up a separate bank account. And again, for some legal uh, business structures, you are required to have a separate bank account. So of course, having a separate bank account is always a good idea, even if you're not required to. So just carry around two debit cards, for example. I mean, I in my wallet, I probably have, I mean, in, in your wallet, you probably have a debit card, a credit card, maybe two or three credit cards, right? Well, same thing with me. In my wallet, I carry around a debit card. 
I carry around a second debit card for my business and I carry around a personal credit card and then a credit card for my business. So I have four cards in my wallet, not too bad. And so, you know, just depending on what I'm doing, I'm just cognizant of what I'm spending the money on, right? I just use this card for my personal expenses or this card for my business expenses. So it's actually not really that hard. It's just building the habit like anything else. As long as you get in the habit of just taking that extra second to think about what am I spending this money on and just whipping out the right card, it isn't that that hard. Right. So that um, fat wallet isn't because it's full of cash. No, it's full <laughs> card. There you go. Yeah, just <laughs> All kidding. that money on my card. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. It, All it, the it, debt. Right. <laughs> no. I think, um, I think yeah. one of the challenges that people have, especially when they're starting something that they would maybe call a side hustle, is that they're starting an Etsy shop. They're doing something that's fun and creative. This is sort of their outlet, their entertainment or their hobby away from work. And then all of a sudden it's become a business. And there's sort of that evolution that happens where there's sort of like that change where we're not exactly sure. When did I go from having a hobby to having a business? And all of a sudden I need all these corporate businessy kind of things. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, good for you that your business has grown then. That's really great. I mean, every business kind of starts off as a, as a side thing. I mean, most, most businesses, that's kind of how they start out. And then they sort of just blossom into this thing that, oh, I can actually make real money from this and actually like quit my job and do this full time. So good for you. Yeah. So in that scenario, when is, when is the right time to start opening these separate accounts? When's the time to start treating it more like a business and less like a hobby? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So, um, I mean, the IRS does have some particular guidelines around when something is taxed as a business and not as a hobby. So I will say basically, but I would say even more than just like the IRS tax guidelines or whatever, you know, the minute that you really kind of recognize this is something that I do want to actually make some money from. And I, I will say like, Yes, there are times when people start out doing something as a hobby, but the minute you you start putting a price tag on something, you have really kind of set an intention at that point that you do want to make money. That is now a business, right? right? Anything that you charge someone to do, you have now created a business. You may not have put a formal legal structure around that, but according to the law and according to tax guidelines and anything, you've created at at least a sole proprietorship, which is a business because now you're charging money for services provided. So the minute that that happens and you take, you know, $1 for what you do, you should at that point really think about opening up a second bank account. And just, I mean, to make it easy, just open up a second account at whatever bank you use, just create a second checking account. And you know, you can get one with no fees and anything. And it just kind of sits there. And that's just where you put the money into. Right. Uh, that's, that's really smart. Whether you have the name on it or not, at least start keeping the money separate, right? So sure. you can actually show proof. From your experience, is that what you see most small business or some of these gig workers doing is that they are doing a good job of keeping their finances separate? Or do you see people commingling? It's very mixed, <laughs> depending on the stage of business. So, of course, you know, in the earlier stages of business, yes, there's there's a lot more commingling that happens. I mean, because we're we're a firm, you know, if, if you become our client, we really try to make sure that you're not commingling funds. But that being said, we do have some clients that still, you know, do some of the commingling, and it's kind of obvious when you see like Netflix, you know, subscriptions <laughs> flowing through a business bank account. You're probably like, mm, probably not a business expense, you know. 
So, you know, we, we do catch that periodically and I get it, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to really like, you know, you forget, maybe you make a payment from one car to the other. I will say the, the most common thing that we see for businesses that are more established is um, accidentally paying their business credit card with their personal bank account. That actually happens quite a bit or, or vice versa. Like they'll pay their personal credit card from their business bank account. So that happens a lot, but certainly when you're first starting out, yeah, I mean, it's again, building that habit and getting used to using this card to pay for something. So if, if you're starting out maybe with a hobby, you're making something, let's say, and selling it like on Etsy, you know, maybe you're used to buying the materials from your personal bank account. So it's just really just swapping out your personal bank account, debit card or credit card with your business, you know, debit or credit card. And uh, just update those shopping carts so they have the right card on file. And then it you know, makes it easier. Right. Yeah. I totally get using the wrong account to pay the card. Because more often than not, I think when you are starting, you just go ahead and put in those uh, all of your bank accounts on your card so you can pay from those. So that, that completely makes sense. So whether I've done this or not, what are some of the adverse effects of, of doing this? Like, let's, let's just say I have done this because we know mm-hmm. that I have. But what are yeah. some of the adverse effects for me or any of us who are out there that have done this? Yeah. Okay. So let, let's, um, that's a great question. So let's kind of take the three different channels, right? There's the legal, there's a legal aspect of this, there's the tax aspect of it, and then there's the management aspect of it. So from a legal standpoint, if, you know, again, it depends on the legal structure of your business. So, you know, you can be a sole proprietorship, you can be a partnership, you can be an LLC, or you can be a corporation, right? So let's say that you're a corporation and you're commingling funds. Well, the reason why corporation exists from a legal standpoint is to have a protection between you personally and your business. So if someone comes and sues you, let's say that you made a product and it injured someone, right? And someone comes and sues you. So from a legal standpoint, if they sue you and you have a corporation, they're really suing your corporation, which means that if they end up winning the lawsuit, then they can only take the assets of your business, which is basically like the money in your business. They can't come and take your house, let's say, right? Because your house is owned by you personally, not not the business. So from a legal aspect, that's why you have like a corporation. But if you commingle funds, then it dissolves that corporate structure, which means that if they come and sue you, if they sue your corporation and you've been commingling funds, the court can say, well, you don't really have a corporation because you really haven't created a separation between you personally and your corporation. Therefore, we're going to go ahead and take your house to pay this claim, right? And we've had some clients, unfortunately, that have landed in that situation, let me tell you. So that can happen. So that definitely is is one really, really, really good reason why you don't want to commingle funds, okay? So that's one. From a tax standpoint, It definitely muddies the waters because now when you go to file your income tax return, what is a business expense versus what is your personal expense? It becomes a lot harder to do the paperwork around that. And so come tax time, your tax accountant's not going to really be very happy with you. Let me tell you, you probably end up with a higher tax bill as a result. And you may have that several times. Yeah, they're not not going to be very happy with you. Sorry, uh, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, and and honestly, you could end up missing out on deductions. So again, that's something that we've had our clients, you know, we realize, I can't even tell you the number of times when we start cleaning up books, 
we realized like, hey, did you know you had like thousands of dollars in business expenses that you could have claimed on your tax return? That would have reduced your, you know, your income taxes by thousands of dollars sometimes, right? So from a tax standpoint, that's also a really good reason why you don't want to commingle funds. You want it really clear what you're spending money on. And then, of course, from the management standpoint, again, you want to make sure that you are really crystal clear about what money is flowing in and out of your business so that you can make good management decisions on what you're doing. Like, how much is it really costing you to produce that product that you're selling? Well, if you're mixing your funds left and right here, you may not really have a clear answer to that. And that's going to end up hurting you in the long run. So even from day one, you want to start keeping really good meticulous records on all your businesses. Okay. You've sold me. I'm scared. I'm going to do this <laughs> right <laughs> from the get-go. So if I'm just getting started and I'm just I'm deciding to, uh, to incorporate my, my Etsy account, what are the top three to five steps I should take or things I should start to get my business up and running properly from, from an accounting perspective? Sure. And actually, let me let me jump back one second and just say that if you have been commingling funds, you can always fix it. So don't be afraid if you have been doing that. It can always be fixed. And it's literally just some accounting mojo, you know, mojo that we do and just boom, boom, boom. And on paper, we end up fixing everything and you can move on. So, so don't worry if you have I, been doing it. So then why does Matt charge me so much money if it's so easy? <laughs> oh, because you had to fix it. That's why. You got, you got oh, okay. to pull them apart, basically. Okay. Kind of, or, you know. I'm going to make sure Matt hears this. Yeah, right. <laughs> so back to your question uh, on hand was uh, the steps to take to start a business. Yeah, so I, I think what we're thinking of here is I've decided that my shop is is going to make money and I want to start to turn this into the business structure that would make the most sense. What kinds of things should I be thinking about? What are some things that I absolutely should get done? Yeah, that's great. So one thing to know, and uh, sometimes people don't realize this, but the minute you do anything with the intention of making money from it, you have created a business. So it's actually, we're like, I think the easiest country in the world in order to start a business because all you do have to do is have the intention of generating income from it. So the minute you do anything, you automatically have created a sole proprietorship. Okay. So that's one. There's nothing special you have to do to start a business. Now you can more formalize a business. And so that's probably the steps you need to start thinking about as you're starting to move along here. Right. So when you start thinking about, again, if, if I'm selling something and I feel like it's taking off and you do want to create that separation between yourself and the product or service that you're selling, that's when you want to start thinking about putting a formal legal structure around it. And uh, you may want to do that right from day one or as it's taking off and growing. But there are certain you know, benefits to doing that. I like to say it's, it's better to put a formal legal structure around your business. So again, although you don't have to, it is better to put a formal legal structure around your business uh, for many reasons. Gotcha. So I've heard of this term EIN and I have heard business people talk about it. Tell us what that is, what that really means, uh, why someone even at the very beginning may want to think about having one. Sure. So an EIN is it's an employer identification number. So that's what it stands for, which is kind of a misnomer because you actually don't have to be an employer 
in order to get it. I mean, you can employ yourself basically and get it. But what that is, is so it's basically the same as a social security number. So everyone hopefully is familiar with what a social security number is, right? It's a number that identifies you to the federal government. And with it, you, you, know, you get all sorts of things, but essentially it's an ID number, right? So that is attached to you personally. So same thing, a business can eventually get an EIN, which is their social security number, if you will. Now, it's not as like protected as a social security number. You can't go and open like false accounts or anything like that with an EIN. So it's not as like confidential, basically. But you do want an EIN. Um, and I do recommend getting one right from the beginning, no matter what structure you have. So if, if you have a corporation or an LLC, you will be required to have an EIN because it is its own it's basically like its own person, right? So it, it, is a, a, an, it is its own thing and therefore it has to have an ID number. So you do have to get one. But if let's say you're a sole proprietor, you're on Etsy selling stuff, as you said, you may want to go ahead and get one right from the beginning, even though you don't have to, because people will start asking you for your ID number. And what you don't want to do is start giving out your social security number left and right to people. You know, who knows what they're going to do with it, right? right? So rather than giving them your social security number, you can give them your EIN instead. And what that will do is it will allow them to do things like give you a 1099 and stuff like that. So it's just a, it's, it's another layer of protection to protect your confidentiality. Awesome. Okay. This whole idea of kind of labeling my business when it comes to the federal government and taxes and everything like that. The debt-free guys want to encourage you to remember to use mobile and virtual banking services during this time. Also, remember those who may not have grown up using these kinds of services and lend a hand wherever possible. Hi, this is Manny Cosme with the Equality Chamber of Commerce, DC metro area. If you're a small business or nonprofit, Check out our monthly networking event and, of course, our annual mega networking event to grow your business. Check us out at www.eccdc.biz. See you soon. So you've tossed around a couple of these terms, sole proprietorship and corporation. And what is kind of the difference or what should I be thinking about when you talk about, I think, what these are business structures? What should I be thinking when I want to start a business? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So again, right from the beginning, the minute you have the intention of selling something and you start spending money with the intent to turn around and sell it for like a profit or for income, you have already automatically created a business. So that's what we call a sole proprietorship. It's just a person who decided to sell something or the intent to sell something and has not created any formal legal structure. Okay. So in that instance, you and the business are sort of one in the same. Okay, it's it's I am, you know, selling my services and whatnot. So that's like the default legal structure or, you know, default structure for a business. If there's two or more of you doing it, then that's the difference between a sole proprietorship and a partnership. Same thing, except two or more people are doing it. Okay, so there's no formal legalities around that or anything. It's just kind of automatic. Okay, you and the business are one in the same. But once you kind of are in business for a little bit and, and want to kind of take this seriously, for lack of a better word, then you do want to start thinking about doing a formal entity around that. And that can be either in the form of an LLC or a corporation. Those are the two major ones. I mean, those are really the two, the two entity structures here in this country. So the difference between an LLC and a corporation, they're, they're sort of uh, minute. 
So there, there are some legal differences between the two. There are some tax differences between the two, although they're rather you know, minute. The major thing I say is when thinking about the structure you ultimately want, you want to kind of think ahead to what do you want to do with this business and who do you want to basically pay for the business. And what I mean by that is when you start your business, who's putting money into it? Because every business needs some money to start with, right? So if you're just kind of putting your own money into the business, that's one way you want to think about it. But if you want to start looking for investments or outside people putting money into the business, that's really where the structures start to become a little bit different because they're treated differently for those purposes. So for example, if I'm starting a business and I think that this is going to be the next, you know, Microsoft, you know, Google, Fortune 500, Facebook, right? Like I'm going big and, and from day one, I'm like, I want to get a bunch of investment capital and, you know, I want to build this software program and I want it to grow. And in the next five years, I want to cash out at a $200 million, you know, valuation, right? Okay. That's a very different legal structure you're going to do than if you're, hey, I'm just on Etsy and I just want to make some extra money to, you know, to pay for college tuition or something. And maybe I'll get some friends and family to kind of give me some, some starter money. But that's kind of all I really want to do with this. I'm not thinking, you know, bigger than that at this point. So yeah, you still want to create a legal structure around that because it's nice to have that separation between yourself and the business, but you don't have to go the route of, let's say, corporation where you're looking for investment capital in, in that instance. So that's kind of some of the things you need to start thinking about. And that becomes a joint conversation between uh, yourself, obviously, your attorney, your tax accountant, and you want to include your management accountant in that discussion as well. So you kind of want the group of four people to get together to really talk about what structure makes the best sense for me, given this is the scenario I want to do. Okay. So I, I kind of see this almost like stair steps going up. So I've decided to start my shop on Etsy and I go out and I purchase product to be able to make whatever it is that I'm making. And so now I'm out there selling and just by myself, I'm a sole proprietorship. Mm -hmm. But then John decides to join me because he thinks it's a really good idea. And he does the same thing. And now all of a sudden we're a partnership, right? Yep. Um, exactly. And then we decide that this is this is actually doing quite well. It's getting bigger, and so we want to take this to the next level. But we also are a little concerned because the product that we're selling could potentially, if used in an incorrect manner, <laughs> could harm someone. So we right. think, well, there maybe there's some some legalities there. So then we would want to move to something like maybe a limit the LLC or limited liability corporation. Correct. Or I will say, I'll throw this in there, or maybe you need some extra money that you didn't have in your savings account. And so you talk to you know Uncle Bob and say, hey, Uncle Bob, would you like to invest in my business? Kind of give me some, some extra cash so I can buy supplies with. Well, Uncle Bob will probably want a formal business structure because so, he's not going to be involved in the day-to-day -day operation. So he's going to want that nice legal shield between himself and your business. So he may say, well, fine, but I want you to be an LLC first, and then I'll contribute money to the LLC. Gotcha. So that, okay, that makes sense. So now let's, then, then we say that 
that we're doing really, really well and we're making millions of dollars and we decide that we needed a, a huge investment of capital. We need lots of money coming in so that we can build a plant or, uh, or sell overseas or whatever the case may be. And at that point, it may be that we're jumping to being a corporation because it looks like it's going to be a much larger business structure then. Exactly. Well, and and the, again, the key around that jump is more around who's providing investment capital into the business. Because really to grow a business, I mean, most every business after a certain point, you are going to need an injection of capital. You're going to need someone to help you finance the growth of the business. It's very, very difficult to grow a business past certain point without getting outside investment. So at that point, that's when you probably want to think about doing a corporate structure because whoever provides financing into the business will want even an even stronger protection between themselves and your business. Yes. I, I will also say this. Um, one of the reasons why is because an LLC is what we call a pass-through entity, which means that if I invest money in your business then your business's profit will show up on my personal tax return. Now, that can be good or bad, again, depending on the situation. But the more your business grows and the further removed that person is from your personal life, the less they're going to want that your business to show up on their personal tax return or their personal finances in general. So if you're thinking about, wow, I'm I'm really growing my business and now I want to seek outside investors, well, I may not necessarily know who that person is, right? So they may come along, invest you know, some good money in my business, but they're not going to want that to show up on their personal financials. So that's why they want that nice separation between them. Gotcha. So, yeah. So all along the way here, whether I'm starting out and I'm just opening my shop or I decide I'm going to go to the farmer's market and set up a tent, I am going to be wanting to keep my business and my personal finances separate. That's, I think that's one of the important things here. And one of the things that you talked about was that one of the best ways to start that off is to have a separate bank account, have a separate credit card. So if I go down to the corner bank and I say, I want to open up an account for my business, what are they going to ask me for? Yeah. So um, if you're just a sole proprietor, so again, it depends on the entity. So if you're a sole proprietor, it's just your social security number and you just open up a second account. You probably even do it online, right? Just go online and open up a second bank account under your name. So that's, that's easy, right? And then just, you know, maybe you'll get a second debit card and just start using that. And then if you want to open another credit card, just open it up again under your name and just start using that card. So just keep them maybe in separate size of your pockets or whatever, right? So it's easy if you're a sole proprietorship or partnership, same thing. It's really easy. Now, if you are a more formal, if you have a more formal legal structure around your business, that's where they're going to probably ask you for additional documentation. So if you formed a corporation or an LLC, they'll ask you for the articles of incorporation or we call them articles of formation for an LLC. So that's a legal document that you file with your state to legally form the company. So they'll ask you for that. They'll ask you for your EIN, your your ID number. So you want to make sure you have that. And then they'll ask you for some personal stuff because it's still you who like owns the account just through your business. So that's what they'll ask you for. Oh, they'll also ask you for your bylaws. Sorry, as a corporation or an LLC, you'll have to have bylaws 
or in, in an LSE's case, it's called operating agreement, but they'll ask you for that as well. So then it sounds like I could start this out as a sole proprietorship. And then as the business grows, then I can go to, back to my bank and say, okay, we've, I'm no longer a sole proprietorship. Now I'm a partnership or I'm an LLC. I need to update this information with you. Correct. Yes. Well, and, and probably at that point, what they would do is shut down the other account and open up a new account because technically it's a new entity, right? As an LLC oh, yeah. or corporation, it's seen as a, as a new individual almost. So it's like someone brand new opening up a bank account. Right. So that's what they would do. And they would just transfer the money to the new account. Yeah. So for those of you out there who are thinking about this, who are thinking about starting a side hustle or have, already have a side hustle or side business, and it's in this kind of state where it's re still really small, that's kind of the one of the points that I want to make here is that it's important for you to keep your business and personal finances separate. But it doesn't have to be a big, scary thing. No. <laughs> uh, right. Not. It's It can be something simple. And it can be something that you can pretty much do on your own. But Manny, at what point then would it make sense for me to say, I need some help with all this? Well, I would say from day one, you definitely want to make sure you have someone helping you manage these finances. And you know, there, there are programs out there that make it really simple. So look, if you want to go really low tech, the easiest way to do it is, I said, like I said, just open a second bank account and just keep two debit cards on you or two credit cards on you and just you know label one personal, label the other one business, and then just use them like that. And that's a really low tech way of keeping your finances separate. But if you do want some additional help or want to make it a little more sophisticated, you know, I would subscribe to QuickBooks. So QuickBooks, which is the program that we use in, in our firm, is QuickBooks Online is super easy to use. And there are actually several different levels of subscription. So there's even one, uh, I think it's only $5 a month right now, and it's for self-employed people. So if you're a gig worker, kind of someone like that, maybe again, you are doing something on Etsy on the side, or you're an Uber driver or something like that, that is a business and you do want to keep your money separate. So just pay like five bucks a month, subscribe to QuickBooks Online. You can, if you open up that second bank account, you can hook that bank account up to QuickBooks and it will automatically do a lot of this work for you. So that's a really simple way of keeping your money separate and ready for tax time when you need to go pay your taxes. And I'll underscore that QuickBooks is super easy. We have several members of uh, various courses of ours who are um, have small businesses and uh, use QuickBooks. And in fact, one of the women in our credit card payoff group, she's over the age of 70. She does editing, book editing on the side, and she uses QuickBooks and talks all the time about how easy it is. So yeah, if you're it's a little fear, scared about it, uh, just know that it's not that scary. Yeah, it's super easy. And there's so many trainings that are out there for you. So I mean, like we, I mean, we, we do a training that, that we provide, but even above and beyond that, I mean, there's so much out there that you can get. And in fact, I even use QuickBooks to manage my personal finances. <laughs> like that's how much I love QuickBooks. So it's gotcha. really great. So you did say from the beginning, you would suggest someone getting some help. I think probably, especially when you're starting to talk about what makes sense for the business structure and what I should be doing when it comes to the organization of my company, that's the kinds of things that you're, you and your firm do, right? Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I will say like, again, I will also mention that it is, I think, important to get help right from the beginning because again, even if you have the intention of selling something 
putting a price tag on something, you want to start being very clear about what you're spending and what you're actually charging for it. Because the last thing you want, even if you're doing it as a hobby or a side hustle, I mean, I would hope that your intention is you wouldn't be losing money on the <laughs> right. thing that you're selling. You would at least be making a little bit of money on it. And so that's why it's important to really start managing your funds from day one, just to make sure that that doesn't end up happening. Because let me tell you, I have seen it time and time again. Yeah. You know, and I would just say, for again, if you're thinking about doing this, one of the important things, especially if you're thinking about putting a product out there, one of the important things to consider is what are the state and local sales taxes? That can get really hairy. Yes. <laughs> and if you're yes. not, you know, there are 50 states and there are counties inside of those states and cities inside of those states that all have different structures when it comes to what you can and cannot charge or should or should not be charging when it comes to taxes. So I think that's, you know, getting some advice from someone can certainly be of help. Yes, that is a great point. That is probably a whole entire podcast in and of itself because (laughs) the sales tax laws are extremely complicated, especially now that people are selling on like Etsy and, you know, kind of selling around the world and sales tax laws unfortunately have not caught up to the realities of today. So that is probably a whole, but yes, you definitely want to for sure make sure you're keeping your money separate for sales tax purposes. Absolutely. Yes. So Manny, we've really appreciated having you on to the show. This is this has been a great conversation. And I think for our listeners and for us, this is a valuable reminder that it's important to think ahead about these kinds of things. When you're wanting to make some of these decisions, it's important to think ahead about them. Manny, you're a member of a local LGBT chamber, isn't that right? Correct. Yes, the Equality Chamber. We just changed our name. So it's the Equality Chamber of Commerce. DC metro area. All right. So you're in the DC metro area. And this is, you know, just a reminder to everyone out there that there are a lot of individuals like Manny who may be able to uh, assist you face to face. If you're looking for some advice like this, or you need some assistance, consider looking at your local chamber. Why are you a member of the chamber, Manny? Oh, well, <laughs> a lot of reasons. Um, no, I mean, the chamber, you know, honestly, when I, well, I, I've been involved in chambers my pretty much my whole life. I sort of grew up as a chamber kid, as we like to say. But, you know, chambers are really powerful because, I mean, for so many reasons, like one, it's just the connection to other business owners. You know, it's nice to not only be able to network, sell to those channels, but also just to have a camaraderie, a community, you know, people who understand kind of what you're going through when you own a business as you really start to grow your business, um, you start to realize that it really is just a different club of people who really like, they need to understand kind of what you're going through because <laughs> it's yeah. just different. You know, like I, I'll talk to, you know, I have some friends who don't own businesses and maybe in corporate America or whatever. And sometimes they'll, I'll try to explain to them like what I'm going through. And it's just, it's just a different world, you know? So it's nice to have that community, but, you know, obviously for marketing purposes, procurement purposes, you know, things like that, you know, also just to give back to the community. I mean, we have a foundation as well. So it's nice to be able to help other people who are starting their businesses as well. So it's just a really great, you know, resource. Yeah, I would agree with you that I think one of the benefits of being a part of a chamber is you get to be around other people that are doing something similar or exactly like you, and they can be a sounding board or a shoulder to cry on sometimes. Yeah. Many, it, times, many in times. In these kinds, yeah. you, you, people who have similar experiences, right? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So Manny, how can our listeners find you? 
Uh, so you can go to our website, cfoservicesgroup.com, of course, and uh, check that out. We have a ton of resources on there. I'm always happy to have a conversation with anyone, you know, free consultation, if you will. So if anyone has any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, you just go to our website, again, cfoservicesgroup.com. Happy to talk to you about your situation, help you out. Awesome. And you, one of the things you're doing, your group is doing right now is providing uh, a lot of information around what small business owners can do with the current environment with COVID-19, right? Yes, we are also providing free planning, disaster planning sessions. So helping you think about how to pivot your business right now. So if you have an existing business, how to pivot given the resources that you have to help you grow your way out of this situation and also helping you with the loan and grant assistance. So helping you figure out what loans or grants you could apply for and then helping you go and do that. So um, we're providing that completely pro bono right now as our way of giving back to the community. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. We appreciate your being here. Sure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Manny, for joining us for this episode of Queer Money. And thank you for listening to the show. Here's your Queer Money takeaway for this episode. Whether you've already got a side business or you're thinking about starting one, take Manny's advice and keep your personal and business finances separate. If that means starting a separate bank account, signing up for an easy-to-use accounting software, or contacting Manny's team at CFO Services Group, take the right steps to reduce the headaches now and possibly costs down the line. Remember, we make the Queer Money Podcast for you, so please email your money questions to questions at debtfreeguys.com post them in the Queer Money Facebook group, and we may answer it in an upcoming episode. Thanks again, and have a great week. The Defrey Guys want to encourage you to exercise extra caution right now, as there have been an increased number of fraud, phishing, and other scams during the COVID-19 crisis. Remember, the foundation for living fabulously, not fabulously broke, is a good credit score. A good credit score can save you tens of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. Bad credit score can cost you tens of thousands of dollars and cause you to miss out on other great opportunities. Sign up for the free Improve or Build Your Credit Score Powered by Experium Boost and watch your credit score improve between 5 and 50 points in 15 minutes. Go to DebtFreeGuys.com forward slash boost. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.